note. Lenny, I'm going to give you the last uh, 30 seconds or so. All right. Well, hey, by, by the way, on the $5,000 bill for Jim, I think it's Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer, yeah. <laughs> 5, could 000, be. 5, on the $5,000 bill. Oh, yeah. There was one. <laughs> All right. So, so what we've learned today, guys, is that, you know, if, if you want to be a show-off, be a show-off, but clean up your act, be responsible, Raider fans, treat people like, like you want to be treated and not like a convict, okay? Drive safe, everybody, and we are, we are going to make sure that we bring you the best quality, fun world of sports every single day. Well stated, the co-host of the Sports Circus. That was Long Beach Lenny. I'm your host, Al Tuzzolino. We have Bronco Billy with us and producer Jim. For everybody, have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Hey, guys. Don't get your hair cut by just anybody. Go to the ladies at C.L. Lewis. That's right. Get your hair done by the professional women who know how to make you look good, from your hair to your beard and anything else in between. These KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. ...community banks and economic growth. At the close, the Dow, eight points higher. The Nasdaq up 24, enough to end at a new all-time closing high. Shares of Nordstrom today up 10% after the Nordstrom family outlined plans to take the department store chain private so it no longer has to answer to Wall Street. A pair of other big department stores, Saks Fifth Avenue and Lord & Taylor, both owned by Canadian retail giant Hudson's Bay, are looking at as many as 2,000 layoffs that could come very soon because of declining sales. Tom Busby, CNBC. So... What would you do with an extra $500 a month in your budget? 500 bucks. This isn't hypothetical, by the way. This is something you may need to think about very soon if you decide to become a member of MediShare. MediShare is a way to pay for your health care, and typically it costs $500 less per month for a family versus other health care plans. So seriously, think about this. You could pay off loans, pay down a mortgage, save the money for retirement, donate to charity. That would be a big deal. But you know what? Here's the best thing. MediShare works. It has 250,000 members, and it's growing fast. With MediShare, not only do you save, you don't have to pay for things you don't believe in either, and that is a beautiful thing too. So here's how you can find out more, and you might actually wind up saving even more than $500 a month. So check into it. Here's the number. Call 844-91-BIBLE. That's 844-91-BIBLE. Now available in Montana. Call 844-91-BIBLE. NBC News Radio. I'm Tom Roberts. Former FBI Director James Comey says he has no doubt that he was fired because of the Russia investigation. Comey testified in a hearing of the Senate Intelligence Committee. I was fired in some way to change, or the endeavor was to change the way the Russia investigation was being conducted. That is a very big deal. President Trump fired Comey last month, a move that prompted the appointment of a special counsel to oversee the investigation of Russian meddling in the presidential election. On Capitol Hill, I'm Terry Moore, NBC News Radio. President Trump's outside counsel says a public cloud over the president was removed by Comey's testimony. Attorney Mark Kaslowitz says Comey confirmed that Trump never tried to impede the Russia investigation. He added that Comey tried to frame Trump. Comey admitted that he leaked to friends of his purported memos of those privileged communications, one of which he testified was classified. House Republicans are rolling back many of the financial reforms that were passed in response to the 2008 Wall Street meltdown. After House passage today, the bill faces an uncertain fate in the Senate. Republicans say Dodd-Frank has hurt businesses and economic growth. Democrats call the GOP measure a big gift to Wall Street and argue that it will hurt average Americans. President Trump is promising to help protect religious liberty in the U.S. Our rights are given to us by a divine authority, and no earthly force can ever take those rights away. The president spoke today at a Faith and Freedom Coalition event in Washington. At least one person is dead and over 10 others hurt in a bus crash in suburban Atlanta. The bus was carrying high school students from an Alabama church on their way to the airport for a trip to Africa. Two of those hurt are reported to be in critical condition. Joe's Crab Shack restaurants are going belly up. The owner of the casual dining chain filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection this week due to falling sales. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio.
right in the middle of Redlands is a special place called the Tennessee Gardens, where great memories and romance abound. Under fragrant magnolia trees, recite seasonal flowers, and next to its whimsical ponds, brides and grooms begin their lives together and events are celebrated. With over 25 years' experience, its award-winning professional staff, led by executive chef Michelle, owner of Michelle's Bakery, create mouth-watering cakes and events. Celebrate your special event with people who care at the spectacular Tennessee Gardens, conveniently located right in the middle of Redlands. Make a no-obligation appointment to find out more about Tennessee Gardens. Call 909-793-5311. That's 909-793-5311. Or visit mybrideandgroom.com. This is KCAA. Hi, y'all. Merle here. Good news. For once, my neighbors is jealous of me. You want to know why? Because my grass is growing and looking green, and I can sit on my sofa out in the front yard, and I don't even have to overwater it anymore. You know how I did it? I listened to damn water boys on the water zone every Thursday night on KCIA. Well, I got me a smart controller, and now it waters at night, and my yard looks darn tootin'. No more sneaking around and hooking up my hose to my neighbor's spigot in the middle of the night, and his dog won't bite me anymore. And you can do it too. Listening is easier than ever. KCAA is now screaming online. It's streaming. What? It's streaming, you dummy. Well, I don't know much about streaming, but they're doing it apparently at KCAARadio.com. And they also on three radio frequencies now too. 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. Hmm, I guess that's for those one percenters who have three radios. So anywho, listen to the Water Zone and fix your yacht up right. Right here at KCAA, the station that leaves no listener behind. Live from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 10.50 a.m., 102.3 FM and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful downtown San Bernardino, California. Thanks for tuning into the Water Zone Show. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Starr, along with Mr. Mike Barron, also known around here as Mikeypedia, and collectively we are known as the oh, Water, Water Boys. Boys. Good evening, everybody. Hope everybody's having a good day. Mike, I know you had a great day. I did, I did, and uh, topping it off with... Uh this evening's radio show with you, talking I, about water. I appreciate that. Hey, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had a gentleman named Charlie Wilson on. Yes. And he was the executive director of the California uh, uh, Water uh, Agency uh, Association. And uh, actually it's a water committee, to be proper. And I just wanted to remind everybody that they're having on June 27th, I promise to do this, at 930 at the SoCal Gas Energy Resource Center, located in 9240 Firestone Boulevard in Downey, uh, a thing on Are You Ready for Future Efi- Water Efficiency? Ah, very good. And it's, it's a good deal. Um, they're going to have lots of, they have the City of Anaheim, Glacier Wheel, Eastern Municipal Water, Molten Miguel Water District, Santa Margarita, Long Beach Water, West Basin Municipal. You know, what's going to work? What's the cutting edge conservation? What doesn't? How do we pay for it? It's a good thing to go to. And anybody wants to get some more information, please do so. You can go online and email Julie Ackerman at J Ackerman, J A C K M A N, at socalwater.org. And that's the best way to get a hold of them. And uh, it's on uh, June 27th from 9 30 to 2 p.m. So anybody wants to go and learn about what's going to happen with your water and electricity, that's a good thing to go to. So I had to get that out of the way. Very good, very I pro- good. I promised a man. And uh, anyway, it's that time again. Oh, oh, you know, we're coming up to our 100th episode. Wow. Two years. That's quite amazing. We thought it was six months. <laughs> you thought it was six months. Well, we thought, we thought the drought was going to be over in 2015, right? That's we true. had to wait another year and a half. That's true. And for our listeners, we're, we're thinking, we haven't finalized anything yet, but we talked last night. We had the, the, the whole group of the Water Zone in. Uh, it was uh, Mike and myself and Ingi and Paul. And we're talking about what can we do for our listeners uh, to celebrate our 100th 
at a, you know, our 100th show, our two-year anniversary. And we're thinking about, we can say we're thinking about it because it's not official yet. We're thinking about some kind of contest and uh, people can write in and we'll determine what that's going to be where they can uh, uh, nominate a charity. Yeah, I think it was a, a school, yeah. a middle school or elementary, elementary school that would like to uh, have the irrigation equipment, the drip equipment, to water a vegetable garden. Yep. And so many of the schools today are using that as an educational venue uh, to teach about science. And, uh, you know, you and I have each together and independently been at schools where the kids tell us how much they enjoy seeing these uh, tomatoes or bell peppers or onions, you know, grow and they see the water, they see the nutrients being transformed from their, where they are in the dirt and the ground and with water and sun and photosynthesis. They enjoy that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a great opportunity. And we thought what better way to celebrate having respect for water than to help deserving schools that would be nominated by listeners listeners, um, and say, uh, this is why, you know, we'd like to nominate this school for a uh, irrigation kit. And so that's what we're working on. And uh, hopefully next week we'll have an answer to that and see how we can, we can do that. But I think that's a good thing to do. And uh, it's just a nice way of rolling down into the thing and, and, and doing it for smart irrigation month, which is in July. That's right. And smart irrigation month is a, an event that's, Month long, that is uh, sponsored by the Irrigation Association and, and the various manufacturers that are members of the Irrigation Association. And we just like to remind folks that July is the month of peak water use uh, for urban communities and probably for ag communities as well, uh, because that's when it gets the hottest. We have the least amount of rain in so many parts of the country. And we use the most amount of water for irrigation purposes. Right. So. So we'll 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 finish discussing that next week, and hopefully by Thursday we'll have uh, some rules and regulations and, and start the process. So let's go into the the news a little bit, and uh, we'll bring on our special news person, the purveyor of Maven's Notebook, Miss Chris Austin, all the way from up north. Santa <laughs> Clarita. <laughs> there you go. Oh. <laughs> That's, Hello, oh, that's guys. How you doing? Great, great, Chris. Good to hey, hear your voice. Congratulations on making it to a hundred episodes. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, so when, when is the when is that date? Uh, we're going to estimate. Well, actually, it was is probably like uh, the twenty something or other of June. Uh, we'll have to kind of. We should also, know that. You know, we should know that, I, but we don't. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to be in up your way on June 29th on that Thursday. Oh, my gosh. Do uh, you think you might? Uh, no, she's she's, she's going to stop by. We already talked. You're, uh, you're on yeah, vacation. Yeah, I'm going to stop by, so I'll be live That's in the studio. Right, right well, guys? I, yeah, and you know what? I'll, uh, wow, I'm going to be gone. Now I'm really sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You're going to have to come back again when I am here. Mike's going to be on the East Coast. Yeah, I'm going to be actually um, helping my daughter move from Virginia Beach, Virginia, to somewhere near Baltimore, Maryland. She's going to be going to graduate school at Johns Hopkins University. So. Oh, well, how exciting. So, yeah, that's a neat, neat step for her. And um, But it's a tough choice, my daughter or... The maven of water, you know. It's uh, I tell you, you rank right up there, Chris. I, I remember, Chris. You know, after you did this first show, and then you were in Nevada, and I brought you on to the show during the thing, and, and you were sitting there, and I go, Mike, do you know who this person is? And I go, No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh. well, actually, um, I'll, I'll make my quick little plug here. I'm going to be down in the area on Thursday because I'm going to be um, uh, moderating a panel at a symposium on statewide conservation on Thursday that's being put on by the Chino Basin Water Conservation District. So, oh. uh, yeah. All kinds of water events, I guess, going on, huh? Yeah, you know, that uh, Chino Basin Water Conservation District, they're very active. Uh, Both Rob and myself, we've both had opportunities to uh, present on water conservation and and water use efficiency there. It's a wonderful facility, and they have a demonstration um, 
low water use plant material demonstration garden that's really top top notch and they keep it very well maintained it's pristine so uh yeah at that boy that's another reason I wish I wasn't uh, going to be there. <laughs> you can always call in. Yeah. Hey, so tell us, I hear about a lawsuit by the Aqua Alliance against DWR. Oh, yeah, they're looking for records. Um, you know, they, they feel that the state has been holding back records on asbestos that might have been naturally occurring, asbestos that might be uh, um, in the rocks around in that area, also that might have been used in the cement that was, that was used to build the original spillway. So they filed, they filed a request. So we'll see where we'll see where that goes. Meanwhile, you know, they just yesterday approved the plans for the spillway, and uh, they they've been doing a lot of demolition up there, a lot of uh, blowing up of, <laughs> of the old spillway. It's all seems to be blown up now, but uh, like it's going to be four hundred million to replace that. So wow. Well, I. Also heard, and maybe you can comment on this if you uh, have heard about this, but, and I think this is a good thing. Uh, federal regulators are reevaluating how they conduct dam inspections following the experience at Oroville Dam with the spillway crisis. And so they've ordered um, operators and regulators to initiate an inspection of, of dams around the entire United States. Um, and basically say, hey, is there any chance that what happened in Oroville could happen at your at your facility? Um, have you heard anything about that? Well, I know that there's a lot of increased attention to dam safety because a lot of these spillways, um, some some cases have rarely, if ever, been used, and so it, you never quite, you know, if you if you don't test it, if you don't really look, then <laughs> you and never know. So there's, you know, we have a, a problem with aging infrastructure sort of across the country in general. So um, and any time there's a disaster, people send, you know, tend to uptick and take a look at where else such a thing could occur. So it is a good thing. Were, were, say, you, yeah. were you referring to the facilities or the aging legislatures? <laughs> they're, both, they're both a kind of infrastructure, yeah. aren't they? What, what I don't understand is when we talk about you know like bridge safety and, and the spillways and the dams and all that, isn't that part of the process that there's supposed to be procedures in place to do normal inspections? Yeah, um, and and I think that they do. So the question is, are you inspecting enough? And if you are inspecting and you find something, are you taking action? You know, funding maintenance is an issue, really, for a lot of places. You know, utility customers don't like to pay for, you know, replacing pipes or doing things, and the water agencies tend have tended to, you know, not want to necessarily pay for a lot of maintenance either. But then when you don't do maintenance, then you get problems. And, so, and a $400 million bill. Well, yeah, but, but just imagine in the middle of the drought if DWR had said, Listen, we're going to spend uh, half a billion dollars because we're concerned that should it rain again, we'll have so much rain that we have to check our spillways. You know, people would have been criticizing them for that. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, they would have been criticized for, you know, wait, wait, it hasn't, it's never rained enough to use those uh, emergency spillways. So I don't know. It's, sometimes it's like uh, you can't win for losing. But. Yeah, and you know, as they say, uh, you live life forward and you understand it backwards. So ah, if you could, you know, go I back like... and you know <laughs> do it in reverse, wouldn't it be all much better? <laughs> That's true. Well, hey, Chris, I've got a question for you. With with respect to all of the water news and water information that you are have collected and are privy to, is there some particular good news? having to do with water in the state of California that you care to share? Well, I think, you know, the, the PPIC put out a report today that talks about the lessons that we've learned from the drought. And I think that, you know, I think the good news was that the residents, you know, really overwhelmingly responded to the drought and to the conservation. And they have some recommendations, but um, overall it's nothing really too surprising. Um, you know, they suggest, 
you know, that there be more coordinated water shortage planning and, and continue the regional approaches that, you know, suggest utilities need to improve their rate structures, you know, if you don't have the right rate structure and you have a lot of strong conservation, it can cause problems. But, um, you know, what was interesting that they pointed out is that, you know, utilities need now to plan for and balance uh, long-term water use and, and drought resilience, meaning, you know, a lot of people changed over their landscapes to low water use, so that's good because they're using less water, but that means that the water that they are using, we refer to that as hardening the demand. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that people uh, that that uh, that we have to pay attention to now is that since a lot of people converted their lawns and are using less water, maybe they have drought tolerant landscaping or whatever. Um, that's going to inhibit the ability to respond quickly to droughts in the future. Yeah. You know, because you can tell people stop watering your lawns and you get them to do that. That's a big cut back in water, but you know, if there's not so much being used, then, then that's going to complicate things. So, you know, I think the good news is that we've learned some lessons and we can move forward and be better, for, be better prepared for the next drought. Yeah, I hear that Sacramento's going to use ground-to-air cloud seeding. Oh, yeah, they're, they're going to step up their cloud seeding program. You know, the interesting thing is, is that cloud seeding, the studies that have been done, uh, tend to show that it, it's effective. Um, maybe I think about a 10% perhaps. Um, it's better than the rain increase. dances. Yeah, in, in <laughs> precipitation, you know. So um, it's, it's amazing, yeah, rain dances, yes. <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. It actually, it, it's actually one thing that does work, but it's not huge. But, you know. Every little bit helps, right? Hey. Yeah, well, the trick is in a drought, you know, it doesn't help you much because no you cloud. need clouds to see, right? <laughs> yeah, good point. Hey, by chance, do you have you ever met Jay Lund from UC Davis? Oh, oh yes. Yes, I know him well. Okay, because he's... Uh, I've been reading some of the articles that you've posted on Maven's Notebook, and he sure strikes me as someone that has uh, a depth of knowledge about water in the state of California. Yeah, he's a he's an engineer, and he's and he's a director of the UC Davis Center for Watershed Scientists. So he's done a lot of uh, very sophisticated modeling of the water system, and he really is um, really knows his stuff about you know how the water system moves and and you know the modeling to know you know what the capacity is in different areas and stuff. He's uh, really, quite a smart guy at the UC Davis bunch. Great. Well, hey, Chris, uh, we're going to have to cut off to a commercial uh, interlude, but thank you, as always, for your erudite uh, review of water issues in the state of California. Have a great rest of the evening, and thanks again. And go to www.mavensnotebook.com to find out more about what Chris does, and you will be amazed. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thank guys. You. Have a nice See week. See you later. This is Brooke's yard, and Brooke loves spending time with her kids. What she doesn't love are the ugly bear spots in her lawn. That's why Brooke uses Scott's Easy Seed. Unlike seed alone, with proper care, Easy Seed's all-in-one growing solution grows grass anywhere. The first time guaranteed. This is a Scott's yard. Pick up Scott's Easy Seed today. Are you looking for a place to buy your landscape and gardening items? Come visit us at Site One Landscape Supply. We offer a large and quality selection of irrigation, landscape, and outdoor living products such as Toro's water-efficient precision nozzles. Site One Landscape Supply has over 30 locations right here in Southern California, and we are the largest national wholesale distributor of landscape supplies in the United States. Site One's knowledgeable and friendly staff is equipped to help you with all your landscape, irrigation, and outdoor living projects. Whether you're redoing your backyard into a drought-tolerant garden or creating a water-efficient landscape for your client, SiteOne has everything you need, including the latest in water-saving technologies, drought-tolerant plants for your yard, irrigation supplies, fertilizer and weed control products, landscape accessories, hardscape products, outdoor lighting, and much, much more. Visit SiteOne.com to find a store near you or stop by today. SiteOne, we are stronger together. 
Well, thank you for joining us at the Water Zone today. And uh, if anybody wants to call in, please do so. We have some uh, great guests coming up. Uh, the line here is 909-888-5222 or 888-909-1050. And you can watch us live if you like at www.kcaaradio.com or go to ustream.com and you can watch us live and we'll give a little wave out for anybody who's watching us. So uh, we'd like to bring a gentleman on who's been on before and he's a great scientist guy. Um, his name is Phil Dwyer, and he's an environmental scientist at the Scott's miracle Grow Company. So welcome. Thank you very much. Hi, Rob and Mike. Good to be back with the Water Boys and your listeners for another great night. Oh, absolutely. I, w- I was listening to you earlier today on a, on a tape that uh, Kim had sent me about uh, when to water. Okay. So we'll play that. Uh, we'll play that on another show because that's a three-minute or so segment, and that's uh, was really good. And uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you uh, got to come on the show tonight. Hey, I I I, I know we were going to talk about some stuff, and and um, just for our listeners, I know we wanted to talk about this algae issue, this algae blooms that are happening. And I I have some data and some pictures. I haven't showed this to Mike. Mike, look, look at that. There's a fish with all this green sludge around it. And it's it's happening in Lake Erie. It's happening in Winnipeg. It's happening all over. And I thought this would be good to tell our listeners because this is a problem that's happening everywhere uh, about algae. Now, some people say there's good algae and there's bad algae. There's green algae. There's blue algae. Just like in your swimming pool, I guess they sell you different chemicals for what. But can you give a little background about all of this and how that's happening? And then we can go into uh, this foundation that you have with Scotts on the. Uh, um, things to uh, give benefits and prizes to people who help come up with getting rid of phosphorus. Yeah, sure. Uh, so algae, um, you, you said there's green algae, blue algae. So we're looking at the blue-green algae, of, uh, also known as cyanobacteria. And so what happens is uh, there's normal populations of this, uh, this blue-green algae in freshwater bodies everywhere all the time. Um, but the one limitation to its growth is phosphorus. And so when we have um, excess phosphorus um, in runoff from soil sedimentation, erosion um, into these water bodies um, from uh, uh, septic systems, from waste discharge, um, livestock, there is no one culprit to this. But as phosphorus moves into our freshwater bodies across the the globe, um, you get these blooms of uh, algae. So the population of algae grows and grows and grows. And what happens then, as it uh, begins to die off, it is taking the oxygen, um, as it's growing and dying off, it's taking the oxygen out of the water. And well, what, what's that going to do next? Then you're going to have uh, fish and aquatic kills. And so you're impairing that water. Um, uh, your, your sea life, your, 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 are starting to die back. And then also um, toxic substances are being produced um, by these large algal blooms. And they can then affect your drinking water as well. If you look at what happened uh, in the summer in uh, Toledo, Ohio, uh, the mouth of the Maumee River right there it's, uh, near Lake Erie, um, they had uh, toxic algae, algal blooms, and um, their, uh, their water system had to be shut down. Imagine a city the size of Toledo having to um, go to bottled water, emergency water plans um, in, the, uh, in the summer months. So it's, uh, that's, that's the issue. Um, and, uh, you know, Scott's miracle Grow is always looking at ways to help uh, preserve the environment, protect the environment. And so um, we've paired up with some pretty neat partners uh, in supporting ways to understand how to, uh, how to uh, correct uh, these problems. So on, on this algae bloom, can't the water agencies or people who are in charge of lakes and rivers and streams and all that, don't they go out and do routine samples? And see, and can they tell when it's starting to build up, or, or does it just happen so quick that it's too late? Well, you can sample. You can um, see from satellite images. There's some pretty amazing images of large water bodies like Okeechobee, um, uh, Chesapeake Bay, Long Island, you know, the Sound, and such. So you can see the proliferation of this uh, of these algal blooms. Um, but there's there's nothing that can be done at this point um, by such agencies. So though you can monitor it, you can um, estimate, and you can model it based on um, temperature, water conditions, water movement. Um, in a drought year, when water 
um, is, uh, is reduced. Um, you're going to have a higher population of, of, uh, of the blue-green algae and nutrients are going to be concentrated more. Um, and so the issue is what, what to do uh, once it does, does occur. So, so, well, first question I have is the blue-green algae, is it uh, process? I mean, is it doing photosynthesis? So it's taking CO2 out of the air and then discharging O2, but then when it dies, something else happens? Or, or is there a different process that the uh, algal blooms under, undergo? Well, it is. Um, and you think about it as when it's dying, it's decaying. And so um, the decay process is what's pulling the oxygen back out of the water, keeping it from the fish, and that is what's uh, causing the eutrophication uh, process. Um, it's starving the, uh, the uh, water of that oxygen as these uh, populations crash, as they begin to die and turn over, as they, as they normally do. They, you know, the blue green algae has a, a short life cycle, um, and so it's constantly repopulating, but as the population grows, more is going to be dying, and um, that decay process is, uh, is, is the main culprit here. So, so the algae is always present in these bodies of water, but then certain conditions occur that stimulate rapid growth, and that's what becomes these large areas that then when the, they cover, I don't know if it's thousands of square feet or square miles, but, but when they get to be so big, then they, they start to die off when the conditions change. Is that kind of the, the cycle? That, that yeah. Yeah, and phosphorus is the, um, the limiting factor. Um, without phosphorus, you're going to have a much lower, you know, much lower populations, um, insignificant, um, part of the normal cycle. But with the influx of, uh, of phosphorus into our freshwater bodies, um, you're, feeding, uh, you're feeding the microbes. They're using this for their energy uh, source and, uh, and growing. So when, so when this blue algae comes to be, I'm, like I said, I'm looking at this pretty gross picture here, <laughs> Uh, of a fish laying dead in a bunch of green slush. Um, so naturally that'll go away, or is there a way to treat this to get it back to health? Like like my pool turns green or blue, they throw something in it, and two days it cleans it up. Can you do that with this, or you have to do a natural process with the, you know, nature take care of it? Um, dilution, uh, more water going in, um, preventing phosphorus from uh, going in. Um, are, are the, the two things we want to have happen, um, but on a, on a drought year or when, uh, you know, when, when conditions change, it gets very hot, um, the, you'll, uh, you'll see greater proliferation, it will happen faster, um, it, it's hard to control. And um, that's what um, has, has, has kicked off a, an amazing uh, international campaign um, led by the George Barley uh, Water Prize of the uh, Everglades Foundation. Right. And so, um, George Barley, um, if you go to barleyprize.com, you can learn more about this. Um, but he was a visionary in the 1990s, a uh, Florida resident who um, loved his state um, and was, uh, was very concerned about what was happening to the Everglades. Um, he saw the destruction of, uh, of the water quality and what that was doing to, um, to the beauty of this area and to the tourism and to the fishing um, and to the enjoyment and use of uh, of this, re- of this beautiful natural resource. And so he started the Everglades Foundation, a, a program to help protect and preserve the, uh, the Everglades. And he, uh, he passed away in uh, 1995, um, but in his, uh, in his name and in his estate um, uh, came forth a, a huge prize, so probably the largest uh, research prize uh, related to water um, ever. And this is a $10 million freshwater innovation challenge. Uh-huh. And the... Uh, the goal is, you know, so $10 million, someone finally put a ton of money into this, and the goal is to find a way to remove phosphorus from water to stop these toxic algal blooms. And so with, uh, with a, a, a sizable um, amount of $10 million, you can, you can imagine this has drawn international interest. Mm-hmm. And so um, this program is a four-year uh, uh, challenge for our researchers. Seventy-seven research groups from 13 different countries have... Uh, have signed up um, to try to solve um, solve this issue. Hmm. Is, there, is a lot of the runoff with the water with the phosphorus coming from pollution from farm runoffs, predominantly, or or it could be something else. We 
have to look at, you know, the, the sources are, are all, all combined. Um, and we can, we can point fingers and say this group and the other one will say it's that group and it's this source and it's sewage um, or, or, or so forth. Um, but we're at a point where how do we solve this? And um, that's what we're excited about, being able to um, help solve this. And so that's where the Scott's Miracle Girl Foundation came in to be a uh, sponsor of this, uh, of this prize. So we are helping uh, sponsor this prize, uh, administer the program um, through, uh, through, our, through our funding. So okay, I just, I just oh, want to – I just <clears throat> went online to the George Barley right. Prize Foundation, and you mentioned Lake Okeechobee, and they said they had an issue where that algal bloom stretched across 33 miles of that freshwater yeah. lake. So this isn't – I mean, that's that's huge. And trying to add yeah. more water to that is going to be a little difficult. So, yeah, yeah. Or, hey, let's drop in that, uh, you know, that, that – I don't know, the magic pill, you know, that yeah. we do with, do with pools. But uh, do you know if there are any ongoing um, experiments or, I mean, has there been any results? I know this has only started, I think, in 2016. Um so, do you know of any progress that's been made yet? Absolutely, yeah. It's really, really neat. I got to go down to a Florida for the awarding of the first, they have four stages to this uh, this program. And the first one, um, they picked, I think, oh, there are probably 10 different uh, research groups that um, made the first cut here for stage one. And um, in that stage, a group from the Netherlands um, won the first uh, first cash prize. Um, to help further support their uh, their research effort, and it was just it was fascinating to see the different methods um, from different places and different uh, you know this isn't just um, university researchers it's industries it's uh, innovative individuals um, who are all uh, looking for ways to um, help um, solve this problem. Some are looking at um, filtering the algae out of the water. Others are looking at um, removing the phosphorus itself. Um, and so the, the group from the Netherlands um, looked at a way to flocculate, which is you know, essentially to um, bind up uh, the phosphorus, to uh, bring it together and then remove it with a, uh, um, an iron-based absorbent. And then they can um, take that and actually turn it back into a useful fertilizer. I mean, phosphorus is necessary for growing plants, for sustaining life. But phosphorus in a freshwater body is going to sustain uh, this, uh, this, the blue-green algae, and we don't want to do that. We want it in the right place, not in the, uh, not in the wrong place. I know when there's oil spills, you see a whole bunch of new techniques of how they surround the spill. and It's almost like the algae here. Um, is, that, is, that a, is there methods to do that so they can basically skim it all out? Yeah, well, in the, uh, like, I think the difference would be in the, in the ocean, you have oil which is floating. So it's floating on water, it's more at the surface, um, and then you have the ability to, to bring in a skimmer to, to you know, partition off where that, that um, oil flick is and collect it and filter it off. Whereas the algal bloom here we're talking about is within the entire body of water. So um, oh. at, depth, at depth, not at the surface. So, um, you know, the surface is one dimension, but now you've got to go down in, in depth and um, being in freshwater areas. You can't, um, and it'd be much larger than uh, than an oil spill. And, uh, an oil spill is uh, tens of thousands to millions of gallons, and this is um, cubic miles of water. And something like you said, the 33 miles across Lake Okeechobee, Lake Okeechobee is uh, is just such a large area. A um, little bit different technology, but they're, they're one of the contestants was uh, trying to do uh, do that, and they can. They can process 12 million gallons of uh, water a day and extract from that. So they're uh, they're up there in the running. Well, I was reading about the Nelson River, New England, that uh, they have seven, over 7,000 tons of phosphorus draining into Lake Winnipeg per year. That's a, wow. that, that's 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 just an awful lot uh, of stuff. What aside aside from farms and 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 the, and the climate change uh, creating this thing, what how? Obviously, people who have homes use stuff on their properties and, you know, water it and it goes into the streets and down the drains. What can they do to help prevent that? Excellent question. Um, and that's what we've been leading with uh, at Scott's Miracle Grow. We know that um, 
the water quality is essential um, to have beautiful landscapes, um, to, uh, to sustain um, plant life. Um, and, uh, and so we've, we've asked the question, you know, starting a decade ago, uh, what, what are the big steps we can take as the industry uh, leader in lawn and garden? Uh, first thing is we removed phosphorus um, from all of our lawn fertilizers. Um, all of our normal, uh, normal lawn, our straight lawn fertilizers um, for routine maintenance um, are now phosphorus-free. Um, and that was a big, a big change for us. Uh, we'd always got phosphorus in our products, and we looked at it and said, um, plants are really efficient. Turfgrass is very efficient at finding phosphorus. There's phosphorus in, in most all soil. Um, and so um, it, turf uh, can withstand uh, not being fed phosphorus, whereas without nitrogen, you're not going to see the green and growth that, uh, that is necessary. So we're, we started to remove phosphorus, and now we're phosphorus-free other than our starter fertilizer because young seedlings need extra phosphorus for that one, uh, that one feeding, two feeding as we're, as we're seeding a lawn. Um, so very, very limited uh, and essential need there, but in the, the rest of our, uh, our offerings for lawn fertilizers, that's out. Uh, second one is um, education um, and application of products. Um, we, uh, we have wonderful uh, environmental education on every bag of fertilizer, on every spreader. Um, Talking about, and all of our spiders now are, are um, fitted with a, an edge guard um, system. And this edge guard is just a uh, an extra lever on the side of uh, our spreader that um, restricts the flow um, for diverse um, fertilizer. So, say one side as you're moving along a sidewalk or a hardscape where you don't want fertilizer to fling out evenly in both directions, it restricts it um, and uh, keeps it off of those hardscapes. And then we have the message of uh, the most important thing to do after uh, after fertilizing is to sweep up uh, any that any product that may have gone to a hard surface because once on your driveway on a sidewalk, um, that's where it's most prone to washing off in the next uh, rain and moving into a uh, drain, which will take it to uh, a water body. So definitely uh, cleaning up um, is uh, is essential here. Um, those are some of the many things that we're in ongoing uh, things that Scott's Miracle Grow is doing to uh, help protect water quality. Um, can you stick around? We got a couple. We got some more questions. We just got to take a, a break from one of our best sponsors, which happens to be Scott's. <laughs> so uh, stick around for a second. We'll be right back. Okay. Do you hear it? Springtime! And folks across the country are excited to get their yards ready so they can get outside and kick back again. And with Scott's and miracle Grow in your shed, it's easy. Whether you plan to grow spectacular plants and bountiful flowers, or enjoy a thick, healthy lawn all season long, now's the time to get outside and fill... Oh, wait. Do you hear that? The sound of great things to come. It's time to fill your shed with Scott's and miracle Grow. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Water Zone with Mike and Rob. And for those of you who do have any questions, uh, we, we would like you to call in. And uh, we have a couple numbers to give you here. If it's uh, local, it's uh, 909-888-5222. And if you're calling outside this area code, it's 1-888-909-1050. So uh, we're here with uh, Mr. Phil Dwyer, and uh, I call him an expert. He's uh Great guy. I need you to come over to my house on a weekend and tell me what I'm doing wrong. And fly me out. <laughs> we'll fly out. We'll fly out. You can beat up my landscaper. So, question for you. So, why is the focus of the, the Barley Prize total phosphorus and not the soluble reactive phosphorus? It is, uh, it is, it is all phosphorus. So, um, you know, the soluble reactive phosphorus is going to be um, one partition of, uh, of uh, the phosphorus that's the uh, affecting the algal, algal growth blooms, um, but right now I don't think there's a delineation between them. It's attacking um, the issue of, uh, of the, what the phosphorus is doing, but also the, uh, the algae as well, like one of the contestants who's looking at um, filtering out or, um, or that. So there's other, other ways and, uh, and means that they're looking at here. Yeah, well, uh, I guess from my perspective, you know, if you've seen one phosphorus atom, you've seen them all. So I kind of agree with what, uh, what, what you were saying, that, hey, phosphorus is phosphorus. But, you know, taking a step back, um, can you share about how long ago 
uh, Scott's Miracle Grow started to think about this issue of intentionally taking phosphorus out of their products. That's a from a manufacturer standpoint. Rob and I work for a manufacturer of irrigation equipment, and you know we're thinking, wow, that's a that's a that's a huge decision, and. I'm just curious if you can share what led the com- your company to to focus on that and make that step and move forward. And also the marketing effort for that, because you know once you make the decision to do something like that, you got to convince the rest of the world that that's the right decision and you guys are doing the right thing. Yeah, well, we saw many things changing, um, and it has been it was a ten year evolution of uh, of understanding um, what was happening. And uh, asking the question, what what could we do to uh, to 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 help here? Um, one, uh, you know, as I said, there's phosphorus in, the, in most all soil um, in your home lawns. There's going to be available phosphorus. Um, otherwise, you, you wouldn't see turf at all. Um, and so the plants are um, are receiving uh, phosphorus. And um, as long as you're you're recycling your clippings. Um, it's going to stay in the system. Phosphorus isn't going to volatilize and move off as nitrogen um, could, um, you know, into the back into the atmosphere. Um, so phosphorus, I, I always tell people, um, use that mulching uh, function on your on your mower um, to recycle those clippings and return the nutrients, the, the nitrogen, the phosphorus, the potassium, the iron. All of your micronutrients are there's valuable nutrients in that grass that you've uh, you've mowed off. Let's return it there. Um, what, if you look at the evolution of uh, fertilizer development over the decade, um, you know, nutrient uh, and, and fertilizer nutrition, um, where did, where did our, our body of knowledge come from? Well, agriculture. And um, in agriculture, you are um, looking at maximizing yield. And so, you know, the scientists at the universities and industry over the over the past century, have learned to maximize yield on our, our grains, our corn, our wheat, um, rye, and, and vegetable crops. And we know the, the, the how critical phosphorus is for uh, uh, for, for yield and um, and such. But if we look at a lawn, we're not looking at yield. We're not looking at seed head production. I should say um, we mow it too often, um, and if the design is not to produce seed heads is to have a dense turf that can hold soil in place and can be a functional uh, plant to, to step on, beat up, and enjoy through the summer months um, and protect your soil from erosion during the winter um, when, uh, when turf is dormant. And so if you look at what, what are the needs for the nutrients, um, phosphorus is not as crucial other than at establishment um, at uh, in high rates. And so we began to look at, you know, and ask the question, what happens if we... Uh, we take it out. There were counties um, one by one out in Wisconsin and Minnesota and um, and other places, Chesapeake Bay region, where they were starting to uh, mandate um, phosphorus limits. And so um, for a while we fought that and then really started to study the issue and say, what would happen if we took it out? And um, and so we removed phosphorus and um, the lawn still has been, uh, been thriving since. Wow. Um does does the company uh, maintain kind of a, a a person or maybe a team to stay on top of various uh, pieces of legislation throughout the country? Because it seems to me that with more uh, heightened environmental awareness, that there's more potential for communities or uh, counties or states to to uh, focus on some of these um, things that uh, some would consider oh not not good for the environment. Um, or do you just kind of wait for something to happen and then you react to it? We are um, always uh, engaged with uh, by region. We have uh, we have people in our, our government affairs, our environmental affairs group um, groups um, that that are looking for issues um, to 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 address, to find um, solutions to, um, or to provide uh, knowledge to if um, if it, if an issue is based on. Um, uh, you know, conjecture or opinion rather than uh, the science. Um, we want to help provide uh, answers um, to decision makers, to uh, legislature, um, to local municipalities. Um, you know, and, uh, and and help influence that. Otherwise, you know, we, you look at other things that we've done uh, proactively. You know, in the state of Florida, 
um, where you have uh, very high water tables, uh, you have very, very high, high rates of rainfall. Um, we started to see county by county um, restrictions and mandating um, you know, that blackout periods for when fertilizers to be applied, um, and they start to mandate 50% slow-release uh, nitrogen, uh, whereas most of our, all of our Florida fertilizers were 30% slow-release. And our, in general, any of our lawn fertilizers have 20 to 30% slow-release component in them. Why do we do that? Um, so that it doesn't all release at once and you get a flush of growth. We want to sort of meter that up, slow it down. Um, we protect against uh, burn, uh, burn potential as well, um, you know, improve the safety of our, our products. Uh, so in Florida, they're at 30%, and then uh, we saw things changing going to 50%, and we proactively said, well, let's, let's take a leadership position here and, uh, and bring our, all of our products in the state um, to 50% slow release. And so you know, we're, we're proud to be part of the solution. Um, and, you know, the reactionary route, you're going to be behind. No. Has, has the rest of your industry tagged on to what you've done? Uh, many parts um, have. I mean, you, know, you look at the elimination of the old 10-10-10s, uh, the 12-12-12s, um, gen general fertilizers that aren't designed for lawns, um, but they were, you know, you look at that and say, oh, that's a, that's a cheap bag of fertilizer. It'll do the same thing. Well, you don't need that much um, uh, phosphorus. Um, in, in those in those products, and so those have uh, gone by the wayside uh, as a as a general as a as a maintenance uh, maintenance product, uh, very much so. You know, my my landscaper a couple months ago bought something. I just saw the part of the bag he threw away. It was iron something or other that they put on to green green up the grass, but uh, I don't know. It didn't seem didn't seem to work. You, you would have been proud of me last weekend. I came home with a, uh, uh, I, I guess it's one of your plastic buckets of the Easy Seed, and sure. five bags of your black uh, um, mulch, and uh, some Miracle Grow uh, in the little bags that you stick in the the hose feeder. Sure. <laughs> I was going to take a picture. And, I was going to take a picture and send it in. So not not only do we have you on the radio, but we, I really do use your products and they do work. So. <laughs> We have, we have a, a building full of people dedicated to making sure they, they work. Uh, you know, from, from the mulch you described, we look at, you know, providing the best colorants so that they give you value over the course of the year. They stay, you know, they hold their color through the season. Uh, Miracle Row uh, uh, garden feeder and, and our plastic called blue powder um, is a staple of, uh, of uh, gardening. And uh, ETC is one of our neatest uh, successes. It's a, that's actually a coconut fiber in there. It's a compressed coconut fiber that when you wet it, it expands, so it takes the work out of um, having to, uh, you know, seed, rough it up, cover things, um, hope, hope for the best. It absorbs so much moisture that it really protects, uh, protects those seedlings. Yeah, and by, by, by holding that moisture, you, um, you reduce the total amount that you need to, uh, to succeed. Yeah, I just put it on this last weekend, so... I'm giving it, giving it a little bit of time, and um, I know my wife is making sure it gets watered like it's supposed yeah. to. So yeah, 10, ten to fourteen days, you'll see uh, you'll see the seeds start to uh, emerge. Yeah, she's really particular about the different colors of the the mulch. In the front, she uses the red color, and in the back, she uses the black color. It's like, aren't they, you know? I try to tell her, can't we just use the one? Why do I have to be specific? <laughs> That's but, the fun of gardening. Yeah, each, each home's its own masterpiece. She, yeah. She's a she's a gardening artist. Yeah, so I you guess. have to give the artist their palette. Yeah, of different well, I, I returned the favor. I bought a, a brand new uh, Toro uh, mower uh, on Saturday with my son. All right, that's good. Good. It was amazing. First fall, put the gas in one fall, and I was off mowing for the next uh, two hours. Well, I went and did a, a vacant uh, neighbor's uh, property for fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, they. Uh, Toro keeps uh, improving their e-cycler. This is an electric, battery-operated uh, mulching mower, and ah. that kind of like is uh, to me a, a combination of two good two good things. The more I hear about the benefits of uh, mulching your grass cuttings and and leaving them on your on your lawn, the more I want to do that because uh, I'm not I'm not uh, the landscaper doesn't do that today at, at the yard so. Uh, I'm going to try to make that step forward because we both got to move up from the mow and blow guys we hired <laughs> to hire real guys. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I mine came with a free bag, and I said I will never ever use this. I I mulch I mulch tree leaves 
we've done studies looking at up to 15 inches of uh, deciduous tree leaves and no problem. You cut them up into dime-sized pieces and you're adding organic matter, you're improving your soil over time. It's just fantastic. So I'm a big, uh, a big fan of the, uh, the mulching uh, capabilities. I find, I find with the previous landscaper that I had, I, I, I bought a mower, I bought a Toro mower. And, um, and I'm not saying that because I work for Toro. I bought it because it's a good machine. It works really well. Yeah. And, and I have my landscaper use that machine when he comes and not the one that he uses all day long because he goes and cuts every piece, everybody else's place all over, which could have disease and, and such. That's a and, great idea. And then the next thing I know, I have all this mixture of junk in my grass, and I have this, I, I, I don't know what it's called, but this thing's growing wild in my yard. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a mess sometimes. You've got to rip it all out and start all over again. That's, you know, you got to speak to the Toro Mower marketing department and start a campaign to have people that do have uh, gardeners, you know, mow their lawn to buy their own lawnmower. And, you yeah, know, you, don't get the disease, you don't get the disease and all the other stuff that comes from wherever else they cut it from. And You can and, make sure that the blades are sharp and yep. that kind of thing. So, yeah, good idea, good idea. Um, so, in terms of this environmental effort uh, that was highlighted with the George Byerly Prize. By the way, um, it's amazing that he was so, I mean, conscious of, of, of the environment because of his love for the Everglades. And he was actually, uh, I'm told, uh, flying in a plane, I think it was his own plane, to meet with the Army Corps of Engineers about the Everglades when his plane crashed. And he was only 61 years old when he when he. Uh, when his plane crashed, and so uh, wow, what a successful gentleman! And um, he's obviously survived by his family. But is there any other um, information that you could share with us regarding that George Barley Prize? Uh, is there like a time frame that the participants, the winners um, of the awards, uh, that they have to come back and report on an annual basis as to it's their like progress? a four-step four process, right? Yeah, yeah, the, um, the process has different phases. Um, it's going to start, um, it started now with a, um, you know, it goes, it's four years. Um, first part is, uh, is a development program. Um, they're testing on the pilot scale. So in a, in a lab, in a small, smaller scale, um, does their technology indeed work? And then those that have passed that test uh, move on to a larger pilot uh, scale. They're going to be... Um, Going up to an area in Canada um, to uh, to test this, and ultimately um, it will end. Um, I think they'll get down to the top uh, four contestants uh, or so in uh, down in Florida, and um, it, it will end with those who can um, actually filter or remove um, phosphorus um, in a uh, in a uh, actual but large body of water. Um, so yeah, so the ultimate winner. Uh, must reduce phosphorus levels in water to 10 micrograms per liter, while also developing a cost-effective technology to earn that $10 million prize. So uh, it has to do it, and it has to be cost-effective um, so that this technology can be used not just in Lake Okeechobee, but then it will be used um, in freshwater bodies across the world. That's why you have you know, the, the Kingdom of the Netherlands, the Ontario Ministry of the Environment, you have all of these other um, uh, major um, governmental agencies I'm in support of this um, because we need a solution. This is uh, this is affecting um, you know, 15,000 water bodies across the world are imperiled by uh, phosphorus pollution. You know, I'm just uh, taken, I'm just amazed in, uh, about the foresight of this uh, of um, George Barley to have you know conceived of this concept where you're actually rewarding innovation and stimulating that innovation as opposed to say the Nobel prizes is really to award and recognize people that have accomplished something, and that's all good, but this is certainly directing uh, resources and, and innovation to accomplish something that was very important to, to George Barley and also to people like the city of Toledo, where you have this you know algal bloom that all of a sudden makes their water supply, uh, their potable water supply, untenable. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's been an underfunded area. In, in the U.S., it's estimated this, this causes $2.2 billion of, uh, of uh, damage 
um, uh, yearly, on an annual basis. And so um, being an underfunded uh, uh, issue, um, though affecting uh, you know, 40% of the U.S. streams and rivers, um, this is the first time that the private sector has really stepped up, and that's why the Scott's uh, America Girl Foundation is, is proud to be a, uh, a sponsor of this uh, prize. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's the other thing too. Is that what a what a great uh, foundation, what a great initiative uh, for Scots to get behind, uh, even though it's basically eliminated the culprit from its products. You know, I mean, it's not like you've got a lot of phosphorus in your yeah, products give anymore. A lot, give so, a lot of kudos for that. Yeah, so you know that's really quite something. Um, so congratulations, and you know, hats off to the. Scott's Miracle Grow Company for its uh, dedication of resources to this to this cause. We're going to have to keep track of it now at this point, and 